Welcome back to another episode of the Corporate Cowboys Podcast. My name is Alex, and I'll be your host for the next half hour. We'll treat this as a free consult of sorts. I am a career consultant on the regular, right? My day job that I don't plan on quitting. And so I contribute some time, some free time when I can. If not to my associates, we go back and forth, bounce ideas off of one another, my colleagues, friends and family if I can. If you're not familiar with the format of this podcast, it's geared toward professional development on how to survive and thrive in the corporate war. After all, we are all born into this corporate world, and the sooner you recognize it, the sooner you can start making moves, getting into, out of, up, and through corporate, the corporate ladder, if you will. I might as well plug the legal disclaimer up front. None of what you hear, none of what you're about to hear, none of what we publish on our platforms or profiles, none of it should be construed as legal advice. We do not condone nor promote any wrongful activities, any uh, illicit or wrongdoings. You can't say that gangster rap made you do it, okay? And I might as well... uh, I might as well plug our online presence. We're on Instagram. That's at Corporate Cowboys with a Z. We're on X, x x.com. That's Corporate Cowbies. (laughs) Corporate Cabbies. That's Corporate C-W-B-Y-S, I believe, or B-Y-Z. Because Corporate Cowboys was taken by somebody, and I don't even think they're active, but nah. We'll, we'll fight it out sooner or later. Or maybe we won't fight it out sooner or later. Maybe they'll reach out to us or we'll reach out to them. Whichever happens first. Just know that the official, authentic Corporate Cowboys is spelled Corporate C-W-B-Y-S. Corporate Cabbies. <laughs> uh, we're on Patreon. It's the Corporate Cowboys podcast. You can subscribe to any number of tiers there. There's some donation links available also if you feel like pitching us a dollar, pitching us a fucking million, by all means. Any funds received go towards business expenses and legal fees, okay? So without further ado, today's question, today being, a little proof of life for you, today being Tuesday, September 5, it's the day after Labor Day, 2023. And the question that's being asked today comes from r slash career advice. They're asking, Alex, hey Alex, is it a red flag that my CEO doesn't believe in titles? Is it a red flag that my CEO doesn't believe in titles? Okay, 
I think right off the bat, I mean, it always depends. You know, being a legal professional, that's like the go-to answer. It depends. We need additional context. We need more facts, right? But just off rip, off the top of my dome, just from the top. If you don't believe in titles, that's potentially a red flag. Why? Because titles provide continuity. Titles provide predictability. Titles provide territory. How well you keep to your titles and how well your titles are defined, how they are distinguished from one another to where there is little to no overlap, but sufficient communication, sufficient lateral communication. So titles are not, what's the term I'm looking for? Siloed. So that the work is not siloed, meaning it's overly compartmentalized and one department in the firm doesn't know what the fuck another department in the firm is doing, even though they both work within the same firm for ultimately the same goals and objectives, right? But if they're not communicating with one another, they may end up stepping on each other's toes. They may end up covering, uh, not covering sufficient ground, leaving holes in coverage, leaving deficiencies in coverage or service. And so things, issues, problems, clients, entire clients might slip between the cracks and I have seen it happen. When there is limited communication, there tends to be larger margins of error. If you aren't talking, that's a problem. If you aren't talking, well, if you're talking and not listening, that's a problem, right? Because you may not be incorporating valuable information, useful information that's coming from your partners, your associates. But if you're not even talking, if you're not even communicating information, exchanging information back and forth, then you're liable to commit more errors. <laughs> you thought I was going to say crimes? Well, you're liable to commit crimes too, to cover up those errors. I've seen that happen. <laughs> now, it also depends on the size of the firm. If it's a smaller size firm, I feel smaller firms lend themselves to uh, titles and roles sharing a lot of the responsibilities, sharing a lot of the, uh, the duties and the tasks, right? To make, to have the operation run, be functional, you may have one or more individuals putting on one or more titles and doing work for one or more positions. And sometimes there may be more than one person doing the same position. 
that can at least work or function in the same title. <laughs> I feel like a smaller firm operating that way You tend to cover, you tend to cover almost all of the ground. Almost all of the clients usually end up taken care of, end up taking very good care of. In larger firms, this may not be possible unless, unless you have a dedicated uh, inner circle of sorts, a, a committee, uh, an A-team, an all-star team that knows how to do the job of multiple positions, of, of multiple titles, who knows how to do that work. And that could be for any number of reasons. Maybe they were promoted. Maybe they started at a lower level, at, at entry level, and later on were promoted into a senior position, a managerial position. And yet they have not let up on the practical knowledge required to complete those tasks by more junior titles. It could also be something consciously planned by executives, by uh, the managers if they cross-train their employees. And by cross-training them, I mean training them in more than one position for more than one title. Now, more often than not, typically this is what I've seen, it's, it comes down to how much initiative is shown by the employee to want to learn, to want to know. And fortunately, fortunately, the good news, the good news is that by you learning more, you become more reliable, more dependable, you become almost indispensable. And it presents opportunities. It allows you to create opportunities for negotiation. And if not negotiation within your own firm, opportunities to apply outside of your firm. If for whatever reason your firm doesn't uh, want to promote you or doesn't see the benefit and having you work in the position, you may be more than qualified for. It all matters. It all matters. All right, so let's read the body of this one because I know I, uh, I rant a little bit. I rant a little bit, but I want to give you a taste of what a career consultant considers when approaching these hypothetical cases, right? And that's really what they are. They're hypothetical clients. If we had them in front of us, obviously, and I say this almost every episode, we would go through 
a historical biographic interview and then drill down on areas of concern. Especially, especially areas that uh, might be full of knots or hidden resources that just haven't been tapped by the client to either secure their position, augment their position, or like I alluded to earlier, negotiate their position. And by negotiate their position, I mean negotiate their compensation. All right, so our hypothetical client writes, I work in a small company, less than 30 people. It's a grind daily. They put that in quotes, a grind daily. It's a, it's a grind daily mentality? Well, what does that mean? Hold on. It's a grind daily mentality where if you don't work over 40 hours each work, wait, what the fuck? Okay, maybe the hypothetical client was having a hypothetical stroke when they wrote this. I will read this once through and then return to it and we'll comprehend it together. But it has been a relatively long 24 hours, so bear with me. I work in a small company, less than 30 people. It's a grind daily mentality where if you don't work over 40 hours each work, then you're not a team player. And if you take PTO, then you get judged for it. All right, I gotta say, yo, fuck, fuck that workplace, man. I mean, if you have to take PTO, take PTO. The shit is paid. It's paid time off. What are they gonna do, miss you? What are they gonna do, not, not be disorganized without you? Are you gonna get in their way or get out of their way by taking or not taking the PTO? It's your PTO, man. It's your PTO. They are... It's a term and a condition that you signed up for that you may or may not have negotiated when you signed on to this employment position. You have PTO, whether it's a week, two weeks, three months. It's your PTO. Take it when you feel like it. I mean, obviously, I'm sure there's some kind of internal policy for requesting paid time off or requesting leave of some kind. And it may or may not have to go through some kind of uh, approval process. But even then, even then, if you request it and it's approved, what the fuck is the holdup? You're going to get judged? I don't know. That sounds like insecurity to me. Why are you worried about what someone else thinks or says about your work. If you are not handing over deliverables to if you are not delivering work product to them, you should not give a fuck about what they think. They don't sign your checks. Again, if they don't sign your checks, they are not even necessarily your friends. You might be friendly, that doesn't mean you're friends. You are associates. 
And that's why I, I hesitate. I, I pause. It gives me a little pause when I call people my friends. An old uh, saying goes, an old, uh, an old general told me, you can count your true friends using the fingers on one hand and you'll still have fingers left over. <laughs> and they were not lying. They were not lying. When you are in corporate, when you are in business, this business is war. Corporate war. You have no friends. You have associates. You might be friendly with them. You play your cards right. You smile enough. Crack the right jokes. Get chummy with the right folks. You have it made. You have got it made. But again, you've got to not worry about what anybody else says. You're working for your boss, just like they are working for theirs. Okay? Continue on the, continuing on to the second paragraph, they write, Our CEO doesn't believe in titles. He thinks they're restrictive. He expects everyone to know and do everyone else's job and says that titles would prevent any and all teamwork. I mean, it's a good, it's a good ideal to keep. It's a good ideal to have whether or not, whether or not it's observed. Whether or not it's observed is a whole other question. It's a whole other question. That's another can of worms. Because having the ideal is nice, but if no one really does it, or if there are no active programs to train and cross-train individuals in everyone else's job, then what good is this ideal? It's just something you're holding on to. It's just something you're holding on to as a, as a crutch, maybe, as a safety blanket, perhaps. But it's not what is happening reality. It's not, hold on, it's not reality. It's not what is really happening within the firm, within the organization. And it's something you've got to come to terms with. So they ask in the last paragraph, they're asking, is this a red flag or am I just being paranoid? My fiance's CFO has said the same thing, but she works with a much larger employer. And then they write, thanks everyone. Thanks. Thanks everyone. I can appreciate, I can appreciate, like I said earlier, I can appreciate a manager's um, vision for wanting everyone to be trained in everyone else's job. My apologies, I'm, I'm yawning a bit, but um, it's all right, we'll get to sleep soon. 
gotta push it another another couple hours. We're on <laughs> we're on duty. We're on duty essentially, but these 30 minutes are yours, unbroken. In the meantime, I'm just fidgeting with my knife. But like I'm saying, I can appreciate a manager's vision, the manager's intentions for training everyone to do everyone else's job and the utility that comes from it. Not having to rely on only one person who is specialized in that task. Not having to rely on them is worth is worth the peace of mind that it gives you. The the peace of mind that you get. And the returns that you get on that peace of mind are out of this world. Fantastic. Now, not having a program that is actively training and cross-training your employees, that might even be fatal. Right, it's already it's already an error that you're not training your employees, and yet you still expect them to improve. You still expect them to grow. So by not facilitating this professional development, it takes you out of the role of a leader. It takes you out of the role, I, I dare to say even a manager, but I suppose if you're a manager, you're just managing, you're just getting by, you're just maintaining and regulating the operation. You're not innovating, you're not creating, you're not training it sounds like, So as far as leadership goes, not sticking to your ideals and providing those opportunities for advancement or not, what's the term I'm looking for? Not confirming, not acting on those opportunities for advancement are extremely detrimental to workplace relationships. Expecting, just expecting everyone to know how to do everything without having a hand in actually training people as it should be, it's a recipe for disaster. Now again, it's possible, depending on the size of the firm and how many employees are in the firm, it's possible that management has deemed it right that the majority of students would become professionals just like it is also possible 
for managers to fail in developing their employees but the inverse is also true the employees could take the initiative and cross train themselves right now this becomes a little bit more cloak and dagger you're moving a little more covertly I'm not going to say it's outright skullduggery but you may detour from your regular tasks and responsibilities in order to ask questions in order to explore neighboring departments or workstations and learn by doing so you learn what they do and how what they do impacts the organization how each of your departments interact with one another so you acquire that knowledge organically I mean that is if a professional development program hasn't been put into place you acquiring that knowledge organically is easily worth it because I mean at that point management won't won't see you coming when it comes time to negotiate when they realize or when they learn when they learn that you have become dependable reliable in more fields than just one when the titles applicable to you are more than one that's when your value goes up your potential value not just all of a sudden right but your potential value value that you still have to realize by negotiating or or by applying outside and getting hired in a in a better position in in another organization it's all possible it's it's all a possibility how long have I been how long have I been going on for <laughs> I feel like I feel like I almost like I knocked out halfway through that <laughs> We got a couple minutes. All right, let me uh, let me read one or two comments on this, and uh, and then give my opinion. Again, this my opinion is general. It's general in nature. Okay, very general opinion. It's what a corporate cowboy would do, right? I don't want you to think that this is exactly what you should do because, well, you should consult with a professional. You should you should consult with a with an expert, someone that you can speak to in real time, give them actual information, right? As it exists in actual, in, in reality, in, in real time, just the, the most current data. And that's how, uh, that's how personal opinions are made. 
personal, professional opinions, professional opinions. I mean, what I'm giving you is just a very general overview. It's a broad spectrum overview of what goes on in corporate and how you might approach it. Thinking, what would a corporate cowboy do? Okay. The first question, the first, the first comment, they write, can't speak to smaller employers, but at my company, your title is tied to your pay structure and career progression. It's how they determine how much to pay you and when to pay you more. Not everywhere needs to be organized that way, but it sounds like a barrier to scale for your company from my perspective. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I don't think I touched on um, on career pathways, right? In an organization, well, actually I did, I, I, I did. Where I, I said you could start in the junior level position and move up into a senior level position, but the whole at the whole, at, at the same time, the entire time, you you keep the knowledge you acquired as a junior. So when you move into a more senior position, you know how to do everything below you, right? Now that's just tracking your career advancement, but knowing what your potential career path could look like. I mean, you could see that in the form of an organizational chart, right? Where you might find yourself on an organizational chart and then what the next position is up from yours and the next position is up from theirs and the next position is up from that one up until you cap out in your department or in your section or, or in your... Uh, in, in your wing of the firm, right? And so your pay structure is tied to that. Now, I kind of baked it all into one analogy where if you move from a junior level position to a more senior level position, you could expect an increase in salary. But at every one of those changes, at every one of those changes is the opportunity for you to negotiate better compensation or just different compensa compensation because better is is better is defined differently by many individuals for some it's more money for some it's more benefits for some it's just the company car right and the company could easily just do that they could just lease it let you use it and you think it's uh, it's better compensation. I mean, it's a write-off to the company, but to you, it's transportation, right? And that comes part of your package with compensation and whatnot. But that all it all matters. It all matters. Ultimately, ultimately. Tracking, I guess, mapping out an organizational chart also allows you the opportunity to identify what duties and responsibilities each node or each uh, person, each title in the organizational hierarchy are in charge of, are in charge 
of performing, right? And in this way, you can already anticipate. You can anticipate what you have to learn. You can anticipate what you should go out and learn about in order to kickstart a promotion that is getting promoted on your own initiative. Acquiring the knowledge and the skills needed for the next promotion. Before, and this is even before they approach you with prospects of, of cross-training or a potential promotion. This is before they come up to Alex and say, hey, hey Alex, how would you like to get trained for uh, this management position? Nah, bro. No, bro. I'm Alex, what would a corporate cowboy do? A corporate cowboy would go through the company files, find an organizational chart, or, or build an organizational chart that is that can track all of the available positions and the available titles. If you can, their salaries, their compensation, and of course, their obligations and their duties. So this way, if you're at a lower level of the organizational hierarchy, you can look ahead on what's coming up, on what management will expect to find in you by the time you are to be promoted. And you can get a head start. You can do this by initiative on your own time. I mean, your career is in your hands. Don't wait for someone to, don't wait for someone to reach out when you could just as easily reach out. <laughs> I like that. I'm going to leave it there. Take care of yourself. We'll catch you next time.